main text that we've been using as a church, Matthew chapter 5, um, from verse 14 to there, I want to focus on verses 14 to 16. And really, just touch on it, actually, I just want to focus on the phrase in verse 15. One of the title of what I want to share with us is making an impact together as individuals. Kind of sounds like a contradiction of terms. Making an impact together as individuals. Matthew chapter 5 verses 14 to 16. And I just really want to speak to us, really want to encourage us and also challenge us concerning God's purpose for our lives. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I'm defining impact as uh, within our given context as the action of having a strong effect on someone or on something it is the impression that one makes an individual makes or an idea makes or a cultural movement makes or a social group makes on others and for us as CLF we believe that the next three years The Spirit of God is signifying to us to impact for Christ. To impact for Christ. And really, prophetically, it is a statement or it is a word that we are running with as a foundation for the coming decade, for the 20s. We are wanting to work with the Holy Spirit in terms of what he is saying to us so that when we enter the 20s as a ministry and as a movement of people, there is a certain paradigm that we are running with, with the purposes of God. And so we believe that we are called to impact for Christ. When we talk about impact, we are not simply talking about us uh, making a name for ourselves. No, we want to impact for Christ and for the purposes of Christ. As his disciples, within our communities in local churches that we have, and to the nations as part of our mandate in obeying the Great Commission. And so we've developed this acronym. And, uh, you know, how many of you have seen this thing here? Anyone seen this? Who, seen, who hasn't seen this? Who hasn't seen it? If you haven't seen it, wave your hands. Amazing, isn't it? You walk through those doors. This was staring at you. So uh, you can have one for free. You know, we're not even selling it. But, but here it says impact. And for us, impact means influence. Uh, really, leadership through influence. Impact means fulfilling our mission to make disciples of Christ. Impact will require prayer. Uh, uh, really, devotion to prayer. Impact means kingdom authority or demonstrating kingdom authority. Impact demands that we are a blessing to our communities. And impact will require team life. And that's what you've got here. Influence, mission, prayer, authority, community, team. And certainly what we are going to be doing is unpacking these 
themes this year and as the years go by. And so when we talk about impact, it's kind of a double meaning for us. It is, like I said, the kind of influence one is able to have on, uh, within a certain context, but it's also using these acronyms. Now, the verse that I read, and that's really what I want to talk to you about, how you impact as an individual, or so you embracing the mandate to impact as an individual. In verse 15, he says, in fact, 14 and 15, he says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. In 15, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. You, as a child of God, are a lamp designed for impact. Say, I am a lamp designed for impact. He said, we, they do not light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. In other words, when you got born again, when the light of God's spirit sparked or began to burn in your spirit, you were lit for a purpose. You were lit for a purpose. And you were lit for a purpose so that as you shine on your lampstand, you are able to bring light to others. Your lampstand in this context really speaks of our witness and our position of privilege to reveal Christ. It is our testimony. It is our lifestyle and experience that demonstrates the reality of Christ. And uh, I don't want to go into any teaching on lampstands. But the point is, God has saved us as believers so that we are a light to our household. So he says, they do not put, light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Beloved, every child of God has a house or an oikos or a household that God has first of all called you to, for you to be a light to that group, that sphere of influence, that oikos, that's the Greek word, that speaks of friends, families, uh, those that we come into contact with on a regular basis. So you have been lit for a purpose. God saved you for a purpose. He saved you because of the destiny he has upon your life. Philippians 3.12, Paul says, not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. I want to encourage you in whatever context you find yourself not to let go of the reason why you are saved. This is one of the main trumpets of our church to encourage our members not to let go of the purpose why you are saved. For some of you, God brings you here and we train you and we empower you in order for him to release you so that you go to other places and are a blessing. That is part of our mandate. You know, church pastors are very, we are very funny. Whenever people join us from other churches, we say it's the will of God. God really brought you here. Mm, we get the witness. But when the spirit of God or when the person now decides to leave, we say it's the devil deceiving them. 
No. We as a church and we as an eldership, we, we recognize that part of our mandate is to equip you. And when we equip you, you have to leave. If you stay any longer, you, are actually, you actually become a nuisance. So that's why as a church, we like to pray over people and bless them. Um, now, we don't do it for everybody, but for people who need to be released properly, we do it and then we bless them so that they can continue in their journey. Can you say amen? amen. But the point I want to make is, is this. You have been saved and you have been lit in order to embrace God's purpose for your life. And as a church, we must never lose sight of that. So as we talk about impact, it is important for us to embrace this reality. You see, just as in our Lord's day, small clay lamps were put on lampstands to provide light to the household. That's the picture concerning your life. You are an earthen vessel that gives light. You first of all possess the light, which is Christ. The light of the good news of Jesus is inside of you. Christ himself is inside of you. Good news is inside of you. And then you are to let that light out. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Say you have a treasure inside of you. Yeah. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. In other words, what is inside of you wants to demonstrate itself as authentic supernatural power of God. You know, you can be a spirit-led Christian or a soul-driven Christian. You can be a soul-driven Christian and you will do a lot of great things out of your soul, but they will not last. Or you can be a spirit-driven Christian, a spirit-led Christian rather, and you may not do as much, but everything you do will be significant because it is born of God. And that's what we as a ministry are about. This verse, I want to read it in a few versions, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Now, he says, New Living Translation, we have, we have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. Amplified, says it like this. But we have this precious treasure, the good news about salvation, in unworthy earthen vessels of human frailty, so that the grandeur and surpassing greatness of the power will be shown to be from God. His sufficiency and not from ourselves. The point is, is this. What you possess is supernatural. What you possess is powerful. Don't settle for anything less than authentic New Testament reality. What you read in the Bible, what you see in our Lord Jesus through the Gospels, what you see demonstrated in the book of Acts. We are not there yet as a church for sure. I'm not there yet as an individual for sure, but I'm a little bit more ahead 24 years later than I was 24 years ago. And that's what destiny is about. 
knowing how to push on and press on regardless of your weaknesses, regardless of your mistakes, regardless of your failures, regardless of the downs or the ups, the challenges, the sicknesses, the diseases, the trials, the disappointments, regardless you have the surpassing greatness of the power of God resident inside of you. If you agree, say hallelujah. I feel like preaching. <laughs> Let's continue to talk. <laughs> Let Christ shine through you. Listen. You in life, you will go through things. You will face challenges, disappointments. You know, as, as a team, at times, we, 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 try, we tried everything to get the church to grow, eh? We try everything. We fast. People think we don't fast. We fast. We pray. Ask for prayer. We pray. We go on. We go on to the conferences. Church growth. Even get people to lay hands. And you come back. And the numbers are diminishing. At times. You know. You know when we started our church. I remember one gentleman came up to me. We were believing for a building. We're still believing for a building. And he said to me, Pastor, I'm going to get you. Your, actually, no, it wasn't an American accent. It was Nigerian. Pastor, I did get you. No, he said, I'm going to buy your building for you. We're still waiting for that building to come. That was in the early 20s, like a year into the ministry. Yeah. All kinds of disappointments. But you have something precious inside of you. Say to your neighbor, you possess something great. And as you allow Jesus to be seen in you, as you allow your light, his light to shine through you, in spite of your failures, in spite of your weaknesses, in spite of the disappointments, when you find a context where you can allow Jesus to be seen, that begins to contribute towards his purposes for your life. And as people see what Jesus has done and is doing in you and with you, they will see your good works and glorify your father through their response. It's time for people to see your good works. Now, I'm not talking about social action or, or no, I'm not against social action. We do a lot of that or we're into that. I'm not talking about, uh, say, natural good works. I'm talking about works that are a result of the light that we shone. And if you study this whole text, what you will discover is this. The light that we are to shine is really revealing the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you study the whole thing, you, if you study within the context of Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you will discover that the light is shining Christ himself. And that's the good news. The good news is Christ. Everything that he has done, who he is, and what the implications are. He is the good news. And as you shine, the, as you, as you, as you share, shine or, or share about Christ, people will then connect the good works. Whatever it is that you did because of Christ, they will connect it with Christ and glorify your father. In other words, they glorify, the only way you, they glorify the father is not by saying glory to the father. Whoever, 
whoever has shared the gospel, um, sorry, has done social action, and then the world in response has said, glory to the Father. They normally tell you, don't mention anything about Christianity. So the good works has to be something that will cause them to respond to your light. And the light is the gospel. One of the things that I really believe is missing in our paradigm as believers is what Peter was sharing yesterday, Pastor Peter Nembad was sharing yesterday, about using the sword of the word as you share the gospel. And the importance of the gospel and how we share it in order for people to come to a saving knowledge. And the importance of the gospel and how we share it as it contributes towards our destiny in God. And your testimony, which is your lampstand, is the most powerful weapon you have in fighting your enemy or the enemy or in dealing with uh, God's purposes for your life. As you share your testimony, your testimony really is your reality in God. What God has done in you. What God has revealed to you. It is the evidence that you have that allows you to be willing to give up everything for Christ. That allows people to be willing to die for Christ. As you, sh- as you allow that to shine, as you allow that to shine, because you're sharing Christ, it brings people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? amen. I'm saying this because I'm talking about how that we as a people m- impacting as individuals together. But I'm, I'm saying this point for you to embrace the importance of the mandate that God has for you as an individual to shine his light. Because if you don't embrace this mandate that God has upon your life to shine and to reveal Christ, And to reveal the reality of the power of God in your life. Not pointing people to your pastor. Not pointing people to the prophet. But pointing people to Christ because he's your reality. Until that is inside of you, you won't be able to effectively contribute to what God has called all of us to do together. Your testimony is proof to you and to others that Jesus is alive. How many of you know that Jesus is alive? How many of you know that Jesus is alive? I wonder what you would have done. One day, a group of Christians were worshipping God during the war. And some German soldiers burst in and said, all of you who are not real Christians, come out. They had guns. They were ready to kill them. And quite a few of the church members checked out. Lord, you understand. And they left. And there was a few left. And then they put their guns together and said, now we can worship you as true believers. I wonder what you would have done. Say to your neighbor, I believe in Jesus. He is alive inside of me. Your testimony is so important. You know, some of us here, like we talk about 24 years, and we, we thank God for what he's done in our lives as a church. But... Please, never make the mistake of confusing 
being part of a church and knowing Christ as your reality. The church will let you down. Your pastor will let you down. Pastor John will let you down. I'm telling your pastors, they will let you down. We will let you down. The church will let you down. Sometimes it will even look like God has let you down. But if Christ is your reality and you have a true testimony, you're not going to let him go. I want to read this verse and then I want to say a few things and then we're going to pray. Hebrews eleven thirteen to 16. He said, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. I want to be one of these, where God can boast about me before the angels and the saints in heaven and say, that's my boy. You see Joe over there? He's been praying for 24 years that I give him a building. He's been calling for activating all the promises and I'm holding it back. And he's still boasting about the fact that he hasn't got a building. That's my boy. I have a building. He's still calling it forth even though it looks ridiculous. Yeah. That's my boy. You see him? You see this one? Everybody has forsaken him. But he still loves them. That's my boy. You see this one? People are lying about him, about her, but she is still loving people. You see this one? I want to be one of those that God is not ashamed to call him, uh, call me his own. I want our church to be a church that God is not ashamed of or embarrassed about. That when Jesus comes into our services or when he's sitting in our services, he's not uncomfortable by our practices. First offering, second offering, first fruit offering, breakthrough offering, offering of offerings, sevenfold offering. No. I want our churches, whether we are five people or 5,000, I want our churches to be environments where Jesus is very happy to meet. Can you say amen, somebody? That's what we're working towards. That's what we're working towards. If you want to impact on an individual level, you must embrace God's vision for your life. Proverbs 29, 18 is a verse that many people are familiar with. Where there is no vision, King James Version, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. To impact as an individual, you must identify with what God says about your life and embrace his vision. For you in the now. In other words, you must hear what God is speaking to you about now and embrace it now. Now, vision obviously has to do with something in the future. But for you to embrace what God has for you in the future, you have to be able to embrace what he's saying to you in the now. 
And if I am going to impact as an individual, if you're going to impact as an individual, you have to identify and embrace his vision for you in the now. And whatever God is requiring for you in the now will always reinforce your pursuit of being a disciple and you fulfilling his ultimate purpose for your life. Whatever God requires of you now will never undermine discipleship and will never undermine his vision or his high calling upon your life. Because at times, people in the name of vision compromise on some basic principles in God's word. I have heard of people who, are, who say something like this. God told me to divorce my wife because that beautiful looking younger model was what he had ordained from eternity past. And they do it in the name of Jesus. Not really, but that's what they say. But if you want to fulfill God's vision, you must keep the law. That's what he's saying. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. We like to quote the first bit. But it's he that keeps the law that embraces the vision of God. He that keeps, in other words, observes God's word, what God requires, they're the ones that have the vision of God. Because the vision there is not simply my own personal vision. It's revelation from God. It's God's purpose. And where you don't have vision or God's purpose governing your life, the people perish. In other words, they go back. That word perish, they backslide, they cast off restraint. In other words, they have no sense of boundaries. They let go of what they were holding on to. They go back. But when you are, you are propelled by God's vision, then you are very intentional of keeping his law, of ensuring that what God's word says is what you seek to do. Can you say amen? amen. Quickly. Our impact as individuals, if we're going to really impact together, it must contribute to building God's house. Say building God's house. Wale, could you quickly come? I need you to share something. Quickly, quickly. You should be at the front. I have, um, I have another... Yeah, I've got the time in front of me. Thank you. You're being generous today. Thank you. Okay. 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 Um, afternoon, church. So, um, this week, two weeks, okay. Two minutes, sorry. Um, this week, the Lord really, um, he really blessed me this week. Um, and uh, one of the first things I said to myself is, all right. Um, what? Okay, cool. So, last Sunday, the minister, ministerial team, they prayed for me um, before in our meeting. And then um, Monday morning, um, I just received um, a beautiful amount of money in my account, which was a blessing. Like, no, no, okay. no, no. That's not how the I'm, I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll jump straight into it. So basically, I said, Lord, what am I going to do with this? And, um, and then a wonderful book just came to me out of nowhere. And um, I've been meaning to finish it for ages. The book's called... Testimony properly. Stay here. You were looking at your life. And you were talking to God. And you started to read something. And as you read that something, 
you realize you had been negligent in certain things. Now continue with your testimony. Can I say the name of the book? Okay. <laughs> so the name of the book is called The Disciple and His Money. Who wrote it? Um, okay. So basically, um, I was reading the book. I was reading the book, got to one chapter, and um, a scripture came up. And um, the scripture was Haggai 1, 3 to 9. Um, Maybe it's too long to read. But basically, I got straight conviction from reading that whole section. And what I got was the Lord was saying, you need to be obedient with what you're doing in church. This is what I picked up straight away from it. Now, I'm the leader of the sound team for um, Greenwich. And um, the first thing I thought of, well, uh, how have you been representing the Lord went from where you're leading on the sound team? And straight away, I said, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. Um, now, Zen ahead of me led with five children and for me, I said to myself, I scratch my head and I go, I have no excuse at all. No excuse. I need to fix up. And there's certain things I need to do straight away just to fix up. And there's different individuals in church that ask me to do a few things. So this week, um, jumped online, done a few things, a um, few other things. And straight away, one by one, one by one, I'll start getting messages. Hi, um, we'd like to um, partner with you in your charity and what you do. We'd like to get, to get to know you a bit better. Can we do some things in the future? Okay, no problem. Yeah, let's talk more. Another person. Hi, we heard you do this. Hi, we'd like to connect with you in the future. I did it, and it's like, Lord, what are you doing? This is this is this is a bit mad. Um, another person. Yeah, we'd like to um, get you thing forward. Um, can you do this job for us? We'll pay you this amount of money, and da da da. And it's just like, this is mad. Sorry, but that's my that's the way I'm thinking. Like this is absolutely crazy. But um, it's all the Lord's doing, and um, it reminded me that, um, it reminded me of being obedient, and then the Lord's peace coming straight after. Um, now. I said it to someone else this week, but when Jesus got baptized, when he rose from the water, the dove came straight after. It was after, it was obedience, and then a peace that came straight after. So um, that's what the Lord showed to me this week. And um, if you want the book, it's just at the back there on the table. Um, five pound. Amen. Thank you, Wale. Thank you. Now, the, the reason why I asked Wale to share his testimony is this, because um, for quite a while, he had been looking for a certain breakthrough. And it wasn't coming. And then when he read Haggai 1, he got convicted about what it says in Haggai 1. And he repented and acted immediately on what he needed to do. And uh, it was just simple things. And by doing those things, as he did it, then it's as if it released certain blessings that were being held back. Because he was being negligent on God's house. So what was his was being held back. And for me, Haggai 1 really challenges me. I want to read verse 9 to 11. In Haggai 1, you read the whole thing. But 9 to 11 says, you looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? Says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. For I call for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain and on the new wine, the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock and on all the labor of your hands. Now, the reason why I'm reading this is because God often holds back from us because he loves us. He disciplines us because he loves us. When we want God to come good for us. And one of the things I've realized about fulfilling our purpose and God's vision for our lives 
is that how we as New Testament believers contribute towards his house has a bearing on us being able to fulfill his agenda for our lives. And often, my experience, I've only been pastoring for 27 years, 20, yeah, seven years. My experience as a pastor for 27 years is that many times believers underplay the role of God's blessing on their life and how it relates to how they respond to his house. And so I'm saying this to say this. If we as believers and as disciples are going to impact together, it starts with how we contribute to God's house. I'm not talking money. I'm not talking giving money. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking how we give ourselves to build the house, the spiritual house that he, God, has joined us to. I want to encourage you, those of you who are guests from other churches, unless the Spirit of God is telling you to leave your church, don't leave your church and come here. This is not, this is not a reflection of every Sunday. You know, you, you come next week Sunday, you, you come back to our, our, in Greenwich, our reality as we are progressing to the glory of God. Now, one day, we will, Greenwich will be like this. Very soon, Greenwich will be like this. And maybe next Sunday, we'll even get the breakthrough. But the point I'm making is, whatever church God has joined you to, give your best concerning that church. Can you say amen? Because as you identify and discern the spiritual family God joins you to, and you invest and plug into that, you are actually investing and plugging into your own destiny. Say to your neighbor, he's talking to you. Beloved, you cannot make any significant impact when it comes to God's kingdom on your own. You cannot. Now, as an individual pursuing your own dream, your own ambition, you probably will be able to do great things without the church. But if you want to make significant impact for the kingdom of God, for the purposes of God, you cannot do it on your own. You need a church. Can you say amen? amen. And you need others. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 10. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Say to your neighbor, two is better than one. Ten. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. It looks like you've just increased my volume. I don't know. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. For he has no one to help him up. At times we isolate ourselves and become vulnerable. And then we blame the rest of the church for not knowing that we are vulnerable. If you want help, if you need help, please ask for help. Those of you who are in other churches, I want to encourage you. If you need help, go and ask for help. Say to your neighbor, ask for help. Don't isolate yourself because you need others to help you to fulfill God's purpose. And you need others to help you to stand when you are weak. Uh, Reverend Hugh Osgood is a mighty man of God. 
a mighty man of God and a humble man of God. And I'm a boy when it comes to ministry compared to him. But when he was vulnerable, when he was going through something, he was humble enough to speak to people like myself and different ones about what he was going through and solicit prayers. I mean, that is phenomenal. Men of his stature, they don't talk to boys like me. They pretend to boys like us. Supermen. Say to your neighbor, there are no supermen in the kingdom of God. Don't isolate yourself. Get help. And the reason why I'm saying this is because if you are going to fulfill God's purpose for your life, you're going to need others. And you're going to need the church that he's placed you in. And those of you that God moves on to other churches, we are still your family. And whilst we bless you, we want you to know that you will always have a place called home here. Some of you have come and visited us. You, are, you used to be in CLF. How many of you used to be in CLF and you're visiting today? Come on, wave, 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 wave. Wonderful. You see, come on, give them a hand. Yeah. We celebrate you. We thank God that we were able to contribute into your life. But now, be a blessing where God has planted you. Because it is those who are planted in the house of the Lord who flourish in the courts of our God, who bear fruit even when they are in their old age, who are fruitful and they are flourishing. And I am believing that's going to be your testimony in Jesus' name. 24 years from now, as we continue in our journey, as we are making impact, I am praying that you will be doing it not on your own, but we will be, you'll be doing it together in a community of believers that God has joined you to. And that your life will be a significant testimony of the goodness and of the mercies of God. Can you say amen? amen. In conclusion, I challenge you to rededicate yourself to impact with the light of the gospel in your life. Regardless of what you have gone through, regardless of what you are going through, I challenge you as we celebrate 24 years to rededicate yourself to him and say to the Lord, I make myself available to you. I am standing in Christ to make an impact as his disciple, to make an impact in my community, and even to make an impact to the nations. Hallelujah. Amen. We're going to pray. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. We're going to pray. So, I want to first of all pray for anybody here who has not given their life to Jesus Christ. You are here. You, you believe in God. And today you're saying you want to give your life to Christ. You've never surrendered your heart to Jesus. If that is you, where you are seated, could you kindly raise your hand because I want to pray for you. Thank you. Just keep it raised. Just keep it raised. If there's anybody else, with every head bowed, every eye closed, please don't look around. Just keep it raised. I want to pray for you. Wonderful. I also want to pray for anybody here who you used to serve the Lord. But you, for whatever reason, you fell away. 
But today you are saying you are surrendering your life again. Yesterday I was sharing how as a younger believer in my old church, I used to rededicate my life almost every week to Christ. I'm, that's not what, really what I'm referring to, but you might be here today and you know you've fallen away, but you are saying today, Lord, I am rededicating myself to you. If that is you, raise your hands. I want to pray for you as well. God bless you. Raise your hand where you are. Don't be embarrassed. God bless you. God bless you. Keep your hand raised. I'm going to pray for you. Don't be embarrassed. Keep your hand raised. You're saying, Lord, I am rededicating myself to you. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I want to pray for you. God bless you. You can put your hands out. Now, what I want to do is for those of you who, gave, who want to give your life to Christ and those of you who are rededicating your life to Christ, I want you to stand where you are and I want to pray for you right now. Just stand. And as you stand, I want you to raise your hands if you can. And I'm going to pray with you. Ask God to give you grace. Just stand where you are. Don't be embarrassed. Wonderful. Father, thank you for these precious, precious ones that are standing right now. If you want to stand where you are, please feel free. Don't be embarrassed. Stand where you are. Father, thank you so much for these precious ones. Lord, I ask for your mercy and I ask for your grace. Those of you who want to give your lives to Christ and those of you who are rededicating your life to Christ, pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, church, join me as we pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you now. Lord Jesus Christ, come into my life. Save my soul. I believe that you died for me. I confess that God raised you from the dead. Today, I surrender my life to you. Fill me with your spirit and I will follow you forever. Amen. Now, I want to pray for those of us who stood to rededicate ourselves to the Lord. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, church, join me as we pray. Heavenly Father, today, I rededicate myself to you. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you have forgiven me. I surrender my heart afresh to you. I declare Jesus is the Lord of my life. I renounce Satan and all of his works. Today, I ask you to fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. Strengthen me and help me to remain faithful to the end. In Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. You may take your seats. I want us to pray a little bit more. Let's just wait on the Lord quickly. As I was sharing, talked about making an impact together as individuals. Really wanted to encourage you to go all out for the Lord. To go all out for his purposes on your life. Whatever stage of maturity. And I want to speak to those of you in particular 
who feel like you've been holding back, I want you to respond to the Lord. If you feel like you've been holding back, whatever level of grace that's upon your life, and you're saying to the Lord, yes, Lord, I want to give myself wholeheartedly to fulfill, to making an impact together with the community of people you've joined me to. If that is your desire and you feel like you've been holding back, why don't you stand right now? I want to pray with you before I hand back to Mecca. And as you stand, don't look to the left, don't look to the right, just raise your hands to the Lord. Just raise your hands to Him. Don't look to the left, don't look to the right, just raise your hands to Him. And tell Him, Lord, I am giving myself completely. Giving myself completely. Tell him, Lord, I'm giving myself completely to you, to your purposes. I want you to tell him that right now, then we're going to pray. 